This episode of the Second Floor Podcast is brought to you by Alberta Podcast Network. Locally grown, community supported. What's going on? All my favorite people out there. It's Friday. You're listening to the Universal Radio Network full switch programming with your boy Kenny Puller and Cashes. I'm about to say my last name now with so much extra spice, man. You know, like, I want to be able to just say it properly. My Punjabi tutoring is going very smoothly. Thank you all for wondering. I'm six sessions into my Punjabi. And uh, you know what? It's uh, it's a work in progress still. But we are uh, we're getting started early on our 2023 goals. And, uh, you know, I appreciate everyone tuning in. As you all are aware, if you've been tuning in, following week to week. And if you're new, let's remind you what this is all about is, you know, we're bringing on inspiring leaders uh, to ensure that they can help you continue to live um, and lead a very prosperous life, you know, both personally and professionally in your life. We have a very special guest today, everyone. We are bringing on the one and only Bean Gill. And Bean happens to be, you know, someone who, um, in my opinion, is the pioneer, the leader in her respective space of uh, helping those out who have uh, physical disabilities. She runs Ryu Paralysis Center in Edmonton, Alberta. She also has just launched her TV show that's coming out. We're super excited for her to chat about that. And um, she also has suffered uh, herself with um, pretty much being paralyzed from the waist down and excuse me, has been fighting through that battle now for many years. And uh, we're going to talk a lot about today on our show what and how you need to show up mentally when the odds are stacked against you. That is something that I find when self-doubt kicks in, it can be very poisonous. It could be very harmful to the decisions we make and uh, what we end up doing in the process. And we just figured that who better than Bean Gill, who is such a fantastic role model, um, you know, on this topic. And when it comes to, you know, just continuously pushing through it and, and how to do so. You know, so we're going to be talking a lot about that in the later half of our show. Beans coming on at 7 p.m. Uh, in the meantime, you know, I'm going to catch up with Cassius here. And before we do so, I wanted to share with everyone a really exciting place that everyone should be going to on Sunday, December 18th. Because you know what's going down, Cassius, on Sunday, December 18th? What's going down? The finals, man. The FIFA World Cup finals. Wow. We've got. The championship teams, Argentina versus France. And you know what? If you're in Edmonton, there is no better place to watch this than at Fused Kitchen and Bar. All right? So Fused Kitchen and Bar is hosting the finals game for the FIFA World Cup. Definitely worth checking out live at 8 a.m., right? Like, I'm not I'm not lying about that. You know, considering the time change, it's early in the morning, but it's great to see Fused Kitchen and Bar is hosting this. Join for a brunch special. Um, they're, they're putting on 9.99 English breakfast. You can't go wrong with that on Sunday, December 18th. What a great way to kick off the holidays and a great way to um, watch the game. So uh, I would totally see everyone there if I wasn't out of town, but make sure Fused Kitchen and Bar... That's the place to go watch the FIFA World Cup Championships. And on that note, um, I would like for us to just go into a quick little break. And we're going to play a nice song. We're going to play some ads. And we will be back. This episode of the Second Floor Podcast is brought to you by Alberta Blue Cross. 
Life as a business owner can be hectic to say the least, and Alberta Blue Cross understands that. They offer flexible health, dental, life, and disability coverage for your employees. Even better, you can let your staff enroll and manage their coverage at any time, on any device. You've got this when it comes to group coverage for your small business, and Alberta Blue Cross has got your back. To learn more and explore your options, head over to ab.bluecross.ca. What's up? We are back and we are uh, needing to touch base on who the leader of the week is. And I would be pretty dang surprised if anybody listening knows this person. But that's the whole idea of leader of the week is I'm inspired to share certain people out there in our world that I didn't even know about until I did my research. And, uh, you know, and I want to bring it to the attention to those listening this gentleman uh, is named Senarat Atanayaka, and I really hope I'm not butchering that. And he was a Sri Lankan politician and lawyer, and he happened to actually be um, one of the very first people with a disability in Sri Lanka to be an elected representative and a lawyer and the only person with a disability to hold a ministerial portfolio. That's pretty awesome. That's pretty cool. You know, with our topic of interest today where, you know, do not let your circumstances or what's happened to you in your life or past define you, you know, and let it give you, um, you know, the strength to know that you're, you're, you're capable of being able to do what other people are who may have, or might seem like they have more, um, strengths or attributes. And, you know, it, it, it just really, this person stood out to me the most because, I find what's really unique, and I'll share this first and I'll get into it, is he's an activist for making all public places and buildings in Sri Lanka entirely accessible to wheelchair users. So this is somebody who, you know, in 2006, he actually sued Qatar Airlines for misplacing his wheelchairs and donated the entire amount to the Ragama Rehabilitation Hospital for building proper access for wheelchairs. And... He's somebody who was, you know, setting up proposals back in 2012, uh, and they were titled Making Manuragala the First Disabled-Friendly District of Sri Lanka. And he presented this to council and also to several organizations and donors. And these proposals went into consideration, recognizing the similarities of the proposals with the concept of the global age-friendly cities, pledged its support to the project with an altered theme. And... You know, ultimately, I share this because this was the second city in Southeast Asia to join the network and the first in Sri Lanka to be able to offer these resources to those who actually needed amenities, um, you know, catered to them who were disabled. And like that's such a reminder of paying attention to what background and what life your leader has led and what they've gone through. You know, like this is somebody who clearly... I'm going to just openly say this. I don't think he would have gone the extra mile to help other disabled people if he wasn't. Right. And it's like, given the circumstances he's had to go through, and because he knows what that feels like, he wanted to do everything in his power to give other people who are disabled just more freedom, just more ease of access to being able to live a life as easy as others. 
And is that is it that hard to put towards people's taxes to make things a little bit more fair for everybody? You know, and that speaks volumes to me. And it really reminded me not just to look at what a leader is fighting for, but why they are. What's their background? What have they gone through? What do they like? What do they dislike? What do they personally value? All of these things is what's going to strongly make up the decisions this person makes. No, absolutely, man. And I think that uh, it's when, when, when a leader sticks to, you know, what is close to home, what hits close to home, that's where I feel like they make like the biggest impact because it's personal, right? It was personal to him. Um, and he knew that, that, that feeling, that pain of not having the accessibility, right? And so I think, I think having, and again, not all leaders need to be uh, personally motivated by the things that they create or, um, or uh, impact. But um, but having that backstory, I think, is very very helpful um, in 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 someone's cause, in someone's personal cause, and I'm sure you feel the same way in a lot of the things that you do, Kenny. Um, whether that's you know side hustles or volunteer or even uh, the run for farmers group, right? That hits home personally. But now it's 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 blossomed into this amazing initiative over the last year or so, and and even when you started, but it started off with a personal motive a uh, personal motive in the sense of it hit it's hit it's close to home is what i mean and so i feel like once it once once something like that happens it, it's it, it can be beautiful what it turns into right because now even this leader right he can he it probably motivated others to follow the same cause right and and, and now i'm sure he has you know individuals who who work and 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 help and have the same cause as him now because of his light because of his actions, because of his impact. So true, man. You you have to have that uh, almost like direct desire to want to help others the same way you wish uh, you could have been helped at a time where you struggled. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I agree with that. And um, yeah, no. And I, and I think that, I think that all, all of us, you know, have those times you know, where we, where something happens and we have that pivotal moment where we can use that to destroy us or we use it to, uh, to into a cause or into something that, um, uh, turns into something a lot more beautiful. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that man, because that's something that I felt like I got into today is here. I was in a situation where it, could have turned into perhaps short term what I would have wanted for myself. This was today? This was today in an interview that I had with a personal training candidate. Oh, interesting. But what made it so beautiful was just him and I turned this interview into a therapy session. Like I'm telling you, man, it was beautiful. Uh, This young gentleman, he's played uh, professional golf uh, in PGA, like 22 years old, got injured. And now he's looking for some sort of structure. He's looking at wanting to find a job related to fitness. He loves being fit. So he wants to be able to help others be just as inspired about fitness as he is. Cool. So we're just talking in the middle of the interview. And I was like, all right, man. So like if you could go play golf again, would you do so? And he's like, 
you could kind of tell the moment where he's like getting asked these questions where he's not even realizing he would get asked in an interview and he starts to open up. He's like, can I just be really honest with you? I was like, yeah. He's like, I just know going into this type of job that I'll have to put my all in, but in the back of my mind, there's going to be this burning desire to go play again. I was like, all right, man. So what do you think you got to do? He's like, what do you mean? I was like, well, like, you know, you could do it. You have to put all of your energy and time into something like this. And if in the back of your mind, you know, you're not giving 120% of your all, then is this really, it's really the right thing for you to do right now. Mm. And he's like, yeah, he's like, you're right. And then like, we start to really open up. He's like, I just honestly wanted to see what this process would look like and to see how much more interested I'll be in it. And you know what? The old, like the, the rookie manager in me would have still would have found a way to make it work. Oh, no worries. Try it. I try and sell the concept to him. But you know what I'm realizing is this kind of has a lot to do with like my development as a leader is I shouldn't have to sell a position to somebody. I used to think I had to. Right. I would rather have someone have already done their homework, maybe be willing to shadow, maybe have really prepped questions for me. And after everything I told them, after I've almost scared them away from this position, they're still like, oh, I'm game. Yeah. I want to give them 120. If there's a sliver of doubt, if there's even a sense, Cassius, of this person being like, yeah, but like I totally still want to be a full-time athlete, you're not going to give it your all. Right. You're telling me you're going to give it your all. But the cool thing about all this was, ego aside, we were really real with one another. I felt like I was looking at my 22-year-old self. And he told me, he's like, man, and this was really unique because he kind of opened up with this. So it shows that he was willing to be vulnerable from the get-go. And he's on his own like vulnerable journey. And I respected this. And he says, you know what? I have um, slight uh, uh, dyslexia. No, sorry. It wasn't dyslexia. It was, why am I forgetting it now? It, it, was, it was some form of uh, a disorder he had. And he said that it's, it's, it's set him back in many ways. It's made him want to do something. Um, autism, he said. Yeah, it was a slight degree of autism. And he says that it, he says it's super high functioning, but he says that he'll do something, he'll get bored of it really quickly, and then he'll want to bounce into something else. He'll right. do it, he'll get bored, he'll get into something else. Right. And what that made him realize is he's like, I just want to finally feel like what it's like to stick to something. And I was mm. like, man, you're preaching to the masses, man. I was like, I'm the same way. <laughs> and I told him it was only until I found fitness as the one thing where there's so much different things to do that I'm, I'm not ever getting burnt out. And maybe this is for you too. So I just told him, I was like, hey, man, like I appreciate you being real and sharing right off the bat what like you find is something you've struggled with. To come into an interview and, in a sense, open up with that, that's pretty bold. It is, you know, yeah. Going back to our topic we mentioned last week. But, like, you could tell, man, like, when someone opens up like that to me, I don't know about you, but even for me as the person who's leading and conducting the interview, I just take that as, you know what, awesome. I'm going to be as real as real gets in this interview. He's not going to get full manager Kenny. He's going to get Kenny. Right. No, I, I I like that, but it could also go one of two ways. It depends on the person sitting across from you, right? Like you have that personality. You 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 like when people open up and be vulnerable and be raw. Yeah. Whereas it, a different manager might not like that, right? A different manager might take the opposite approach and be like, oh, why is he being so real and open with me, right? He took a total risk. He did. He did take a risk and it paid off. Um, but even going back to what you said, uh, you know, as him being an athlete and 
and him wanting to get into golf, right? Was it? it was yeah, golf? PGA yeah, PGA golf is what he's like. He got as far and high as being a pro golf player. No, that's that's amazing. But I, I think the thing is, is as as athletes, and you and I know this because you know I grew up playing basketball. I had dreams of playing into the NBA and you know playing pro, and and obviously with you with MMA and 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 your fitness background is like we dream of the big lights and the stars and and, and what it would be like to play at the, the highest level. Um, with any 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 athlete has that dream, and especially if you if you have a little bit of success, like after high school, going playing collegiate or going into you know different leagues that you feel might get you to that the the, the highest level, tournaments, these types of things. There's a point in your life where you have this crisis internally, and when you're kind of in a plateau or there's a challenge or you get injured or whatever the case may be. And then you question whether or not you want to continue with the sport or not, or whether you go into a different lane, whether it's coaching or training or development. And I think each one of us has gone through that in some way, shape or form. Um, and, um, you know, when you had that interview with Interbeer, right, he was talking about at a, at a certain point, he, he was thinking about, well, is this God testing me or is this God telling me? to change paths right which one is it is it god testing me saying okay can i get through this challenge and get over the hump and continue or is this god telling me this isn't the right path for you and that's something that every athlete has to deal with that's something that every athlete has to decide and in that moment that's where your life changes completely right whether you take whether you continue obviously love the game but you go into coaching or some sort of branch of that sport or whether you continue on this lone wolf path of continuing to fight for that long, far-winded dream of playing at the highest level. And time isn't, father time isn't on your side because the older you get, you know, your body starts deteriorating and, and you start, and as as time r- goes, those doubts and, and things start c- coming into your mind. And, you know, at a certain point, you have to make a decision whether you're going to take that path or you're not. And it's not like there's a right or wrong, but everybody has to decide it. That's a good point, right? And I, I truly felt like I had a sense that who I was sitting in front of in the interview, they weren't in that state where they're ready to move on from it. The fact that he says I could apply as soon as April or May, and I started doing the math, and I was like, okay, that's four or five months. So you're going to just start to get the groove of this role? And I told him very transparently that's going to take about a year or two until you're feeling the groove so four or five months in you're going to apply for something you still aren't too sure if you will get it or not so i totally get your dilemma plant some seeds sprinkle some things let's see like what can i take action on what is it like if i don't end up getting to be a pro again but the very fact that you're investing energy and time and 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 just overall dedication to getting back there you made your decision that's right. right. That's and right. I think that's such an important thing for all of us to acknowledge where it's so cliche to say, but our time, man, our time is so valuable. I spend X amount more hours training my jujitsu. That's X amount hours less on perhaps becoming a better radio broadcaster or becoming a better manager. But, but I accept that because my life won't feel fulfilled if I'm not putting that many amount of hours in jiu-jitsu. And let's face it, if my life in my future doesn't revolve around so much around jiu-jitsu career-wise. So 
I think that's where, if we bring it back to this conversation with him, is he still had the juice, right? He had, to your point, God or higher power or whatever he believes in or this gut feeling we call it. He had that say, no, I still want to try again. Yeah, It'd be very different if he came to me and went, hey, man, I tried it. I got injured. Whether I heal again, this is my path. This is what yeah, I'm choosing yeah. to stick with. For sure. Right? Your cousin's a great example, man. Right? Cousin Sammy, he still texts me every now and then. He's hilarious. <laughs> you know, he's going to get me on his podcast. It's going to be sick, right? But Cousin Sammy's like, Kenny, man, like, you know, he's been interested in fitness since he was 16. And I noticed that juice, that fire still in there. So I'm just telling him, I'm like, go all in. And I'm so glad. I don't even know. I didn't even share this with you. But like Cousin Sammy, like he's, shout out to him. This kid's like 18, 19 now. And he was trying to get a business degree. And then he was trying to still find ways to make time for training. But he's doing the business degree just to like get his family approval. And I know that's a whole other battle. But it's like, yo, man, like, no, don't don't make the same mistake we all did. Because we ultimately just ended up, you know, finding a way to go back to our passion anyway. I was like, learn from us. Go all in on your passion. Give it two, three years. And if worse comes to worse, go back to get that degree. Yeah, no, no, totally. You know? Shout out to Sammy. <laughs> man, I can't wait to be on his podcast. Yeah, man, he started. He's, he's looking up to us, so uh, you know, shout out to Sammy. But no, I, I feel like as a again going back as you know, as an athlete, I think we all have those moments, and and it, and it really depends on what. And again, it's not right or wrong. It just depends on what you feel um, is your risk tolerance at that at that moment. And um, like you said, like it, it isn't the mainstream path, right? Going all in on uh you know jujitsu or golf or basketball these aren't like blueprints set in stone you know ways of 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 making a career you really have to real when you say all in it's all in this isn't a nine to five this is a nine to nine you're waking up eating sleeping breathing the sport that's a different sort of grind right and so i i think especially you know young adults i think i think both of us you and i can can speak on this is when you're young like sam or or or, th- or this gentleman who wants to you know t- you know take golf to the next level you have the time to take the risk you have the time you know what's the worst that can happen you know the worst happens you go back to your parents and yeah like you said go back and and study that degree that you wanted um and 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 that's one thing that um you know, I could leave some, some of the, some of the younger, you know, uh, audience members is that, you know, if you have that idea, if that burning desire of something that isn't, you know, school related or something that that's blueprint related in terms of just like having that, you know, set in stone path of, okay, if I do X, Y, D X, Y, Z, it's going to take me there. And you have no idea, you know, you want to start that business, but you don't know how, you know, personally for me, it was out of sheer force, Learning, experimenting, grinding, figuring out what's right, what's wrong. You know, how do you do your accounting? How do you do your proposals? How do you do all these things, right? I didn't have a, I don't have a business degree. I don't know anything. I, I shouldn't, I shouldn't even be running a business right now, right? So it's the same with, it's the same with, you know, as, as the earlier you can start, the earlier you can start on your passion and really, really dive into it, put 110% focus in it. I think, um, I think at least give it a few years, like you said. Yeah, I'm going to talk about when we're back from a break, you know, if you do choose to start, learn from some of my experiences that might be even new to Cassius right now based off decisions I'm planning on making to start uh, some of my own ventures. So we're going to come back and we're going to share that. We will be back. Full switch.
Great stories are timeless. To be a great storyteller, one must bridge the gap between an alluring narrative and the audience, to pull with the heartstrings, and to shape the imagination. At Q Films Media, we're more than just a media production agency. We are a powerhouse of creative individuals, content creators, who specialize in telling great stories. Stories that are intimate and kept closest to the heart. Stories that are powerful and inspiring, that spark boldness and action. We are Q Films Media. We're here to tell your story. We are always unseen. What's up? We're back. Full switch, full ditch, man. It's Friday. We are uh, two weeks away from the new year. We're almost a week away from Christmas. Like, how checked out is everybody? <laughs> you know, like, in terms of this is the last two weeks of the new year. And, you know, I laugh and I say that only because it's such a common time to want to look forward to all the things you may have planned um, to all the things that you maybe don't have planned. And it's, it's just sucking you away from being present and taking you out of your routine. And, uh, you know, I I was talking with, with Cassius. You know, we were saying this earlier where it's like, what do you do during this time? Because let's face it, work slows down tremendously for a lot of people. Um, you get in this reflective state. It's such a common time to figure out what you should do with your extra time. I want to ask you, Cassius, like, what are you choosing to do with your time these next two weeks? Um, and, and how are you navigating your way around? Um, perhaps maybe looking at it like, I'm going to get ahead for 2023. There's things I'm going to be doing in the background. Or I don't know, maybe it's like, okay, I am behind. I'm going to catch up on all the things that I haven't been paying attention to in 2022. I'm just wondering like, how you're looking at that. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. I think, uh, you know, for me, I this is a good time to, to, to reflect for sure, right? You know, we were talking about this last year, you know, when when I was getting a little overwhelmed and burnt out on the business side, and then I went to Dubai. <laughs> I went to Dubai for three weeks to see a friend and, and check out the scene there. And you know what? As much as I, as much as I wasn't quote-unquote productive or doing work, it felt productive because mentally it gave me a little bit of a break and I could take a look at kind of a bird's eye view of my business and what I was doing and it allowed me to step back or get off the hamster wheel for a little bit and uh and see where I was going you know what I mean and I think that's very important that we do that you know on a however however many times we need to do that um but I feel like at least once a year to to kind of reflect and figure out okay where where are we headed with our work our career our creative projects, our hobbies, our our relationships, right? And, and you know, we always talk about this on the second floor. We elevate to the next level. What is it? We want to be better than than the year before, and uh, that doesn't mean you have to be you know hustling twenty four seven, you know, working nine to nine that type of thing. But no, like we always we we want to try to improve, um, you know, our lives, whether that's relationships, whether that's career. And, and learning from others, you know, learning from the leaders that we bring on onto this show. And that's what Full Switch is about, right? So I think, you know, for me, especially during this, uh, you know, this holiday season, 
you know, being a, being a, being a, you know, a business guy, you know, the, the holidays don't really, uh, allow me to turn off fully. Right. The business has to continue going. Uh, but of course, you know, the individuals, clients and things like that, the people that we work with, of course, they might be less responsive. They might have those one or two weeks off. Um, but I think for me, uh, being able to reflect is, is the biggest thing is being able to say, okay, you know, I'm not doing so much actual work on the ground and doing actual like work per se, like doing client jobs or things like that, because clients are, are taking them the breaks themselves. But how can I, um, you know, do almost a year end review? How did the year go? What did I, what did I accomplish? How did certain things work out? Did they work out? Did they not work out? Um, am I headed the way I want to head going into 2023? And so I think, uh, for me, the biggest thing is going to be reflection and, and, and if I need to, you know, pivot in certain areas. Yeah. Wow. That's a nice refreshing difference. You know, like I hear that and I compare it to how I look at it and I'm, I'm actually, I'm one step removed from reflection. You know, I'm well, many steps removed. I'm more so looking at, uh, the, the point of what's ahead. You know, I feel like this is a time right now where naturally in my industry, it does slow down. Naturally, um, I am starting to think in my own life and my circumstances, you know, when I'm ready to pull the trigger on having something of my own, you know, and that's, you know, wanting to build my own gym and my own gym being my own academy, servicing martial arts. And uh, right now, man, you know this personally, and I'll share it on air. I've been going through the motions the past um, while uh, but more so putting the foot on the gas in the past month because of kind of that, like, you know, me turning a leaf to a new chapter going into 2023. And uh, I've been hungry, man. But I do want to say that I've been too hungry and I need to be aware of me not biting off more than I can chew. And this is for our audience members out there that are listening that maybe want something so badly and you're needing. It was actually it's a huge shout out to someone very special in my life. They said this. And they know who they are. And she said it this way. She's like, you need to either know if you're leading with your head or you're leading with your heart. You know, like, because I'm very, and Cash just knows this. I'll jump on something that sounds like it's the best idea and I want to be all over it without looking at plan B, C, D, E, F. You know, and I noticed I did that the past little while. I was very close to potentially going in on a $2 million investment that I was ready to talk to banks about, I was doing this. It was great. I'm glad I'm going through the process. I'm getting my feet wet, but I didn't sign anything. So good. I know where my line is. You know, I'm involving my parents. I'm talking to some mentors. I'm, I'm, I'm just putting myself out there, really being vulnerable to it all because I know nothing about what this could look like. Financial statements are being made. Business plans are being made. I don't look at any of it as a waste of time when I know and I can tell you in the air that I'm not going through that. And it's made me realize, man, that like, I find it's so receptive to the type of people we are in our environment and society now, where we want something now, right? It's like, I want to be known as the biggest, best gym now. And it's like, wait a second. Why don't I just learn what it's like starting something? Let's get a place that has 1,500, 2,000 square feet. Why does that have to be 15,000? Right. Let's, let's, you know, and something, I'll give a huge shout out to someone I respect a lot. Um, you know, it's uh, someone who I'll keep private for now, but I'll share what he said. He said, at the end of the day, your product's mat space. 
So why would you have more sunk costs? Why would you why would you put yourself in a position where you want such big space for something where you're just going to start with 50 to 100 to 150 members? So I'm almost now like starting to turn the leaf as I'm saying going into this next year where I was like, okay, start, do it, but now do it in a way where like humble yourself. Yeah, yeah. You know, and like my coach says, I asked his advice from him too because he knows I want to do this one day. And he's like, you know what, Kenny? Like every mile starts with an inch. And that re- reminded me back to running. I didn't wake up one day and go, yo, run for farmers. I'm going to I'm gonna run 50 kilometers tomorrow. No, I started with five. Five was disgustingly hard. Right. Like running five for the first time in yeah, yeah. 27 degree weather. Yeah, for sure. So then after I'm like, okay, let's try three. You know, but it's just a reminder that like, man, for people listening out there, like, don't worry, like, I get it. If you're trying to start something, do not bite off more than you could chew. And I think this is such a, because I'm like it, I surround myself around people who are really successful, including yourself, who have already started a business, but I tend to neglect, like, look at where they had to start. Oh, yeah. You know, and I started in my basement. I have a I have a martial arts academy running in my own basement. And here I am thinking I could go from the basement to, like, 50th floor headquarters <laughs> space like no like what's the next step right you know no i and i i totally feel you man i think i i think it's 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 good that you went through that process because if you didn't um you know you wouldn't know as much as you know now and and getting the advice from your mentors and individuals around you who who have been there and done that you know, in terms of their own businesses and their respective projects. And I think, I think one thing is, is that, you know, if, if you started really grassroots and you just take it like, like, like your coach said, one mile at a time, one step at a time, one step at a time, you start to enjoy the process a lot more. You know what I mean? Had you started with the big 15,000 square foot arena, <laughs> in in the in the jiu-jitsu world and and martial arts academy you wouldn't know what it's like to have uh you know a small basement sized gym bringing in clients how that process looks like what the systems are can this even sustain for a year what challenges there are with that just from the just from a small from a systems perspective cuz you obviously you've been to gyms and you've you've signed up at you know academies and things like that you're you're an athlete, but you don't see what's happening on the other side of the curtain, right? How hard it is to get people in that space. How hard is it to keep them and, and retain that? Do you have a fantastic program, curriculum, uh, system in place where that customer or that, that athlete can go through um, as they're training? And are they growing at the same time? Is their experience just as fulfilling? Um, and what does that look like? Because we can we can easily look at the lights and be like, oh wow, look at this fifteen thousand square foot you know facility. But then with that comes you probably not sleeping at night because you got you got a bunch of debt, finances, uh, pressures of hitting certain uh, you know goals and whatnot. I'm not saying that you can't do it. I think personally, Kenny, you can do whatever the heck you want. I know you. I know whenever you put your mind to something, it gets done. That's that's what I love about you is that. Mm. Whenever you do something and whenever you're like, okay, I'm going to do this, um, it tends to manifest into reality because you don't stop until it's done. But, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you're, you're taking the time to, to, to reflect and, and, and take, and you know what? 
I personally, just from my video journey, I I'm, I look back and I'm like, wow. Like, I started doing videos and stuff. It on, took years. It took years. I started a, a, a TV show in high school and tried to gather people. And, I, dude, I believed that. That I was going to make the best TV show. It was going to be on CBC and it was going to be on Omni TV. And, it, you know, TELUS was going to pick it up. I, and I was a young guy who had no clue what the systems were. But the moment I started that process... I started was like, oh, I'm biting off a lot more than I can chew. Mm. And it's okay. All right, let's figure it out. Let's figure out what those individual pieces are. And now after a decade of being in the space, it all it's all come together. Mm. But it took that five, six, seven years to really understand um, that. And I, and, I, and I enjoy the journey now. I look back and I'm like, wow, I didn't give up on this. But I still continue to poke poke at certain lanes to figure out how to run this business, how to make better video content, how to service clients, how to write proposals, how to do the accounting, et cetera, et cetera. Well, that made me really, like even to your point about all that, it reminds me what my accountant said. And he's like, Kenny, before, he said something of this nature. This is how it resonated. It's like before you go $100,000 in debt, learn how to make $100,000. Ooh, that's bars, man. Right? Like, your accountant had bars. Dude, he had it ready. It was like, man, like you're asking to be in that much debt, but have you made that much? So like before you sink to that, like have you created it yourself? And like that, then you'll know, right? Another thing that really hit me with my accountant said is he's like, where are you in life? How many more years do you really have? And I'm like, man, I got like, he's like, I'm working. I was like, man, at least like, man, I, I want to say like at least 20 right like uh, of like good years of grinding for another 20 years yeah it's like okay he's like how about your parents and i was like oh man like i want want to say five to ten max he's like okay so imagine you go through this he's like i know your numbers he's like i know where you're at financially you're gonna have to get your mortgage on your house you know re like refinanced he's like so what's that like for your parents you know it's all you guys under one roof what's that stress gonna be like for them you know? Yeah. And it's one of those things where I'm like, yeah, like that hit deep for me. And another thing that hit deep for me was you just said it best. You've been doing this for how long? Since high school. Like long time. So same thing for me, man. I've been in martial arts since I was age of nine. And I let the idea of getting so excited about trying to do it so much bigger get to my head when in reality, since I was nine to now, roughly almost 20 years it's taken me to get to this point so now it's like okay so to get to this point to run a, a space run a space first that's right now over time let the let let like let there be a certain amount of people that you see and that are loyal to you be the reason for you to be like okay now we're starting to fill up we need to move Correct. Just like my parents, like they weren't ready to move into their big home when we were born. They had a 1,200 square foot home that we lived in until we were 20 years old. Then they, we reached a point where we're like, okay, six of us in here, we're outgrowing this home. Let's move. And it's just, I'm starting to have these revelations and um, it's so good because normally I wouldn't share this stuff, but I want to share it on air because number one, I want people to realize that we're not perfect either. We, we go through these stressors. And number two, um, this is me trying to just be a little bit more public about my journey. Oh, I love that. I love that.
Welcome to Super Typical Mega Bank. How can we disappoint you today? Hi, I'd like to open an account. May I pressure you into considering a pro disadvantage, high regret, impersonal, everyday inconvenience savings plan with added compound and confusion at no additional discount or apology? It's one of our top disappointers. I feel so... Disappointed? Yeah. Another unsatisfied customer. Next! If your bank makes you feel like this, it's time you talk to us. Connect First Credit Union. Bank on a brighter future. All right, we are back in action now, and we are joined by the one and only Bean Gill. Super excited to be in the studio with Bean. As we mentioned earlier on, Bean is the founder of the Rayu Paralysis Center here in Edmonton. Has been, you know, doing that all the while, booking herself in full with some um, speaker series here in Edmonton, across from Texas. Bean's got that going on soon, and all the while having her TV show that's being launched soon. So I don't know if you've cloned yourself since the last time we chatted, Bean, but it is a dang pleasure to have you on here. Thanks, man. It's really nice to be here, too. It's been a long time since the three of us have been able to hang out yes absolutely and bean and i actually cash as we were joking around we were saying because like we wanted to catch up actually yeah. for the past few months and yeah. we've both been so busy so we're like the only way we could get together is when we collaborate on air like, <laughs> that's the, the best way, way to do it make something out of it right 100 <laughs> percent. but you know we wanted to have a start off today being in your own words like you know share with us how you define yourself in this day and age today like you know when someone asks who is bean gill mm. um how do you answer that Oh, good question. Well, nobody really asked me because most people know already who being Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And I say that with humility. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess, you know, I'm an advocate. I am a full-time wheelchair user. I'm uh, a recovering alcoholic. I'm a recovering paraplegic. I'm a daughter, sister, aunt, uh, granddaughter, friend, you know, business owner, entrepreneur, Public speaker, model. Let's know. go. <laughs> See, Let's look go. At look at that resume. Let's go. <laughs> no, that is awesome. And no, that's short and sweet, but bold all at the same time, right? And, you know, I'd, I'd like for us to really get right into, uh, first and foremost, your TV show. Because, like, mm-hmm. that's something that's so new and, and exciting that I haven't even had the chance to catch up with you yet. Yeah. Um, how did this come about? What is it called? And uh, what is it that uh, people can look forward to watching? Yeah, cool. So first of all, this was the hardest secret to keep. The hardest secret, because I wasn't allowed to tell anybody initially when they, we first got the go-ahead. It was very, very hard to keep the secret. So how it started was I was approached by a producer in 2019 because she saw that I won top 40 under 40. And um, she wanted to do a 20-minute documentary on me. So I was like, yeah, solid, let's do it. Uh, but she didn't end up getting the grant for that. And so whatever, didn't happen, right? But she said that she was talking to another producer about me and he said, well, why don't we do something together? So then we had a bunch of meetings. And in the first one, he asked me, like, what do you want out of this? Like, what do you what do you want? And I've wanted a reality TV show for so long because like so much funny stuff happens to me and no one w- is there to witness it. Right. And so like, that's the best. Yeah. My life's very entertaining. Right. And I'm like, what better way to like capture it? And so we had lots of meetings and stuff, and what it ended up being is it's um, a nine-episode docu-series called Push, and it's about myself and nine of my wheelchair friends, my wheelie peeps, we call ourselves. Sweet. And it's just really just to show people what life with a disability is actually like, because it is not what people think it is. 
right? People have a stigma, stereotype, biases towards people with disabilities, and they have an idea of what our lives are like, that they're sad, pathetic. We're sitting at home on government assistance, crying every day about how sad and pathetic our lives are. And it's just like, this is not reality. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like disabilities uh, don't discriminate. It's the biggest minority in the world. And you can be any color, size, from any economic status, and you can end up with a disability, right? And so why are we all labeled the same? So, yeah, the nine of us or ten of us are going to break some barriers and show people what it's really like. That's amazing. And let's face it, like, I don't even think this has even been done before or done yet. And I think that's also like a whole other topic in and of itself, right? Is like, this is such a good way of once again, bringing more awareness to show what that looks like. For sure. You know, and uh, there's something you shared that like, really, um, I think from a creative content perspective works but i can understand that it must have made you feel um quite vulnerable maybe quite scared mm-hmm. is when the, the producer mm-hmm. uh, or some of the creators rather they they said hey bean with our push documentary here we want to actually bring you back to vegas mm-hmm. where you know for those that don't know Bean's story that's where uh it the, your journey started in, in in when the disability began and for you to go back for the first time since mm-hmm. What was like your immediate response to that? And and then how did that unfold? Because I remember you saying when we chatted, you're like, Kenny, it was actually groundbreaking mm-hmm. with what happened. It and was. Uh, yeah, please, please share that sure. with us. Um, so yeah, I was paralyzed in Vegas 10 years ago, July, 2012. And I haven't been back since. And I always said that I'm never going to go back. And I'm super scared because the time that I was paralyzed was my fifth time going. My fourth time, I had an anaphylactic reaction and ended up in the hospital. And then the next time I go and I'm paralyzed, end up in the same hospital. So I really didn't want to go back and see what was in store, right? And then when I signed with my public speaking agent, actually, she said, she's like, you're eventually going to have to go to Vegas because that's a really big spot for public speaking. And my initial thought was, nope, I'm not going. And she's like, yes, you will. I was like, oh, yes, I will. (laughs) Right, okay, yes, I will. And so I started working with with my therapist on it, on my mindset, because I had, it's it's my mindset. If I'm expecting something bad to happen, there's a good chance something bad's gonna happen, Mm -hmm. right? So I've been working on it for a while. Um, And then, yeah, we ended up going in November, 20th to 24th. So it was just a few weeks ago that we went. And I was really, really scared leading up to it. I was so stressed out. My hair started to fall out. Um, my eczema was really bad. Um, it just like and flaring just because of stress, right? And um, my mom came with me. Two of my friends came with me, and the whole crew. Like we filmed the whole thing, and uh, there was lots of tears, <laughs> lots and lots of tears, lots of emotions. And when we got there, we went to the hotel where I was paralyzed, and. Um, went into one of the rooms and I didn't know what was gonna come up for me. I didn't know what I was gonna feel. I didn't know what was gonna happen. But a lot of anger. I got a lot of anger. I was really mad and that kind of like surprised me a little bit. And I could see the pool from the window of the hotel room and then that just brought back memories of like being like, you're never gonna be able to walk into a pool ever again. And it was taken away here. Your legs were taken away here. Your ability to run upstairs, your ability to do kickboxing. You know, my roundhouse kicks were so strong. I wish I got to see. Yeah, man. And it's just like, you know, all of those little things that I can't do anymore, all of those things came back. And it was really hard to go through that. 
Makes for compelling TV, so the season finale better be fucking dope. I mean, oops, sorry, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, sorry, we'll, we'll run it back. We'll run it back. <laughs> but yeah, and then after the hotel, then we went to the hospital where I was, and I said that I'm not going to go inside. So I stayed outside. I wrote a letter to the city of Vegas, and I put my feet on the ground because I wanted to be grounded. I had my mom with me. And I read this letter that I had written, and it was really emotional reading it. That was a letter you wrote, uh, like, back then? No, I wrote or it something before wrote I read. went on this trip. Like, mm. I've been writing it for the last couple of months of everything that I wanted to say because I've been holding on for to so much. And I ended it with um, Ho'oponopono, which is a Hawaiian, like, reconciliation phrase. And it is... Um, I'm sorry, please forgive me, I love you, thank you. I think it's in that order. And um, it was really releasing. I let go of so much there, so did my mom. And I'm not even lying, like a day later, my eczema is so much better, my hair stopped falling out. Wow. Like, it's amazing how much we hold in our bodies. Yeah, that's heavy, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, it reminds me so much of the last thing we want to do is face our trauma mm-hmm. no matter how many years go on it's like the same place wherever we've experienced it because mm-hmm. uh, everyone has you know there's there's either physical mental um spiritual trauma of any sort and being the like like what i can appreciate about yours being is you just sharing that would make hopefully someone listening to this even including myself to mm-hmm. like see that face value like like go to it yep. it it's like i don't know how much into goggins you've read into Mm-mm. but there was um it kind of reminds me of it where there was a, a street that david goggins um ran you know who that is though at the least right uh, you don't know who david goggins no, is bean needs to look up <laughs> david goggins right yeah but anyway goggins was like this navy seal um like a veteran and he has been known lately as this incredible public speaker let's just put it that way okay and he, uh, watch being now channel her inner goggins <laughs> but like right there was this street he talked about where um he avoided for so many years because it was the same street where every single time he ran it he would um get the living crap beat out of him mm-hmm. right like there was always um somebody there i'm pretty sure that's how the story goes and anyway it's just that cliche saying of like quote unquote face your fears but like face the the, the thing that still haunts you mm-hmm. you know and like when you did that i love how just your immediate response was that you started to feel physically better yeah you and know? it was almost immediate and it's 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 interesting like how much we hold on to right and and i didn't want to go kenny i really didn't want to go i didn't want to do this but at the end of it i'm so glad i did yeah you know and it's like you know when they say the thing you're resisting is what you should lean into the most and like we just said face your trauma head on it's really hard to do but when you do it it's freeing Right? Like you, I let that hold, like have a hold on me for 10 years. I feel like this, and this is a little bit of a debatable topic, but I feel like this when I trust someone that I'm bringing into my life, um, that I would, um, you know, 
see them as someone that I can trust sharing things with, whether mm -hmm. it's a good friend or let's just say uh, it's someone that I'm seeing that I want to spend the rest of my life with, whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. When I tell them like my quote unquote demons, like things that I've gone through in my life, um, I think it's debatable because some people go, no, there's just some things you shouldn't say. <laughs> and then there's other times where you're like, well, this person, one, deserves to know. Yeah. And, and two, how freeing I feel mm -hmm. and have felt mm -hmm. when I share it yeah. with someone I trust is huge. Because I think there's a lot of shame around some of those things. For sure. You know? But like, you know, I think our community too, right, is like, you know, it's like God of the Eagle, right? Keep it in your house. Yeah. Families, if family problems shouldn't be spoken outside the family because our family needs to look perfect, right? To the community, we need to look perfect. And I can't stand that. Because the more perfect your family looks, the more I know that inside of it is toxic and it's being destroyed. So, so true. It. Yeah. yeah, it's a it's important to bring it up. How does how can that how can that start? How do you feel like generationally that can begin? I think you need guidance with that. Like having these conversations. Um, you know, for me, we I started seeing a psychologist immediately after I was paralyzed. And that has been one of the biggest silver linings of all of this. And I didn't just see her, like she spoke to every single one of my family members alone and then all of us together. And she facilitated really healthy conversations about how we're gonna move forward from this ginormous trauma that affected every single member of my family, not just me, right? And like, how can we work through all of the trauma that we had in the past and um, moving forward, right? And so having some sort of guidance and also like the family needs to be open to it. They need to be open to having these conversations, wanting to get help from somebody because there's a big stigma with that too, right? So like it, I don't know, honestly, how it starts with conversations, yep. you know? It really you does. have to talk. I have, uh, I have some like people I know in my life where I tell them, oh, you should get a therapist too, like uh, certain family members. And they'll be like, no, no, I don't need. I don't I don't need it. I'm okay. I'm like, no, genuinely, not because you need it or not need it. Just have one. Not for the sake of thinking you need one because you're you're troubled or hurt. It's just I find it so like just like the gym. It's like someone who's skinny that says, Gym? Why do I need gym? Mm -hmm. I'm already fit, but it's like no go because like there's so many other benefits to it. Yeah. Right? So I agree with you, Bean. I started seeing a therapist like six months ago mm -hmm. and it's it's so nice to just have those check-ins with someone who knows the brain that well yeah you know and and for you to then feel like okay if i'm caring and this was huge for me stepping into the fitness industry mm -hmm. it's like if i'm spending this much time and effort into my physical health then why don't i do the same for my mental as well yeah yeah you know? i think everybody should think like that to be honest because you can't separate your physical and your mental health you cannot they are very much intertwined and i see that a lot at ryu Right, which is my nonprofit for those of you who don't know. Right, yes. we see that a lot where we work on mental health as well as physical health because it's very much intertwined. I love that. Um, Bean, I'm curious, you know, obviously you're very public facing now and obviously you share your story quite a bit. Mm -hmm. um, I'm curious, uh, you know, over, over the last decade and, and, and sharing your story and things like that, how has what you talk about evolved over the last? you know, number of years, like, you know, what, what do you, you know, talk about now more so than just reiterating your story, obviously, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but what is, you know, what are those key kind of sort of messages that you like to bring and share, um, to, to the public and people that don't, don't know about you or don't know about the, the, the community? 
Yeah, really good question. Um, obviously, my story is a big part of what I talk about. Um, it's and it depends on my audience as well, right? I can speak to a lot of different things because I've had I've lived a lot of life in my short 40 years on this earth, right? And so, um, like, there's some factors into that, but a lot of it is how to overcome how to overcome your adversities that you're going through and i've had a lot more adversities than the average citizen and i've wrapped my head around that and said okay fine if i'm the lucky one then (laughs) cool (laughs) right but that's why it's so important for me to have my tools in place and to know how to face adversity because it's going to happen to everybody and so i share a lot of my tools on how to Um, get through these things and a big part of it is gratitude right when you start living your life with gratitude just watch things start to change around you a lot of us myself included didn't live that life before right and even like when I was paralyzed I was so sad about everything that I lost that's the only thing I would focus on is everything that I had and everything that I lost And it took me meeting another girl who was a quadriplegic who couldn't use her arms or hands. It took me meeting her for me to really see perspective, right? She said, I'd be happy if I could move an effing finger. Mm. And that was that instant Mm. that I said, okay, Bean, you're not allowed to feel sorry for yourself anymore, right? And I immediately went from being sad about what I had to grateful for, sorry, sad about what I lost and grateful for what I have. My hands, I'm grateful for every day. My eyesight, my hearing, my sense of smell, my sense of taste, being alive, you know, um, snow removal, windshield washer fluid, indoor heating, indoor plumbing. So much to be grateful for that we all take for granted, right? Yeah. And you don't know what you got till it's gone. Mm. No, I love that. It's very true. And it reminds you of uh, kind of the whole concept around, you know, especially with what I see in my industry is there's people who... They only want to start moving their bodies or they want to start getting healthy when, for the most part, this is people who just don't like working out. Like, let's face it. I'm a workout junkie. I love it. Like, (laughs) I'm going to find a way to move my body and have fun. But there's going to be others that they just don't. And I think this speaks volumes to what you just said because they do have legs that move. Mm -hmm. They do have, you know, the ability to actually go to the gym Mm -hmm move their bodies so they can live a longer life. And I just want to know if you could share some perspective on that being where it's like, if they hear it from you as opposed to, you know, me, the, the fitness professional, right? Yeah. In, in the importance of why someone should use what they have. Yeah, know? I mean, so a lot of people think of working out as a punishment, right? A lot of people, the vast majority of the population thinks of it as a punishment, but it's really a privilege. If you have a body that moves, use it. I would kill to be able to run up a set of stairs. A lot of my friends would kill to be able to have movement, even if it was with pain, even if we were overweight, even if we had arthritis, we would still do it, right? And so take advantage of it, you know, be grateful for what you have. That's my always my main message. When we take things for granted, you know, it could be taken away from you tomorrow, right? We don't know when our last day is going to be. You don't know if you're going to, you know, fall and have a spinal cord injury or a brain injury. You don't know that. It could happen to literally anybody. Mm-hmm. So just, you know, take advantage. Yeah, and then, you use what you have, right? For sure. And then, like, you know, people always tell me, well, it's too hard, right? Remember we had this conversation. It's too hard. And my response is always, tell me what has been easy. 
What's been easy in your life? Go ahead and make a list right now for me, right? And it's like you have to choose what your heart is going to be because being fit is hard. Being fat is hard. Being rich is hard. Being poor is hard. You know, being healthy is hard. Being sick is hard. Which, which heart are you going to choose? It's up to you. It's crazy you say that. I was in a consultation and someone who is trying to quit smoking said that. He's like, what's harder, quitting smoking or going to the gym? <laughs> and, and and doing it the both are hard but what's mm-hmm. the bet what's the what's the healthier alternative mm-hmm. you know so it's a good point uh, i love that too and i think even coinciding to that is you know all these individuals and i mean everybody has so much potential to do amazing things and it's like probably more than half of us don't even actually reach our full potential not just in the gym not just for our bodies or whatever but you think about it in just day-to-day <laughs> Life. I mean, an example is, you know, when you started to run for farmers and, you, you know, you ran a marathon, you know, all you got all the homies to push themselves. I ran 16 kilometers. I don't run. I do not run. I thought my legs were going to fall off that day and it was yeah. cold. It was like minus 20. And these guys are like, no, we're trucking through. Like you guys obviously a couple of you guys did a full marathon and, and you, you pushed everybody. But I would have never in my mind, I would have never ran that that much. Had it not been for, all right, let's let's do this. Let's just let's just ignore what the, those pain and the 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 mindset and whatnot. So I, I think you know that is also that that I feel like is is very important. Is is you don't reach your you you could might you might not be able to reach your potential and you don't know what your potential is mm-hmm. in any realm, mm-hmm. right? It's so true, and I think that's why that example is such a true testament of sometimes the thoughts that are trickling into you keeping such a low ceiling above yourself mm-hmm. is what you felt like you were directly or indirectly told in your in your upbringing. Because yeah. we wonder sometimes, oh, why are some people this way and other people, they feel like they could fly off a building and if they, they could grow wings, they could. But it's like, no, like <laughs> that's too overconfident. You won't grow wings, you'll die, <laughs> right? But it's like, there's just so much of what someone's imagination is or yeah. what their, their mind is capable of being able to... Um, push them to do yeah. right um i you hear the, about this a lot in athletes i said this the other day off air but it's like what's the biggest difference between the gold medalist and the person that got fourth place mm-hmm. there's not much of a difference mm-hmm. to be honest like there's a 0.0001% difference they're both incredible athletes you know the one that made the podium the one that's fourth place that just missed the biggest difference is how that person chose to show up that day mm-hmm. It's what they were telling themselves mentally. Yep. It's it's how they chose to like show up into that l- level of preparation. That's it. You know, all it takes, and I've even been guilty of this, is just a little bit of almost like an, an excuse. Like, oh, you know, I am a little tired. <laughs> and then and then you lose and you're like, that's because I was a little tired. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's yeah. like you use that as a, as a crutch. Yeah. When in reality, it's like, okay, like figure out full on, like to, to Omid's point, like, who is it that's like, you know, like who's your community? Mm-hmm. Like with Rayu, you you have that, you're building that. Mm-hmm. And that's why I find it's, it's so important where like you need to realize in this day and age, like thank goodness for the positives of social media where you could find a lot of people similar to you and like be able to like share what it's like because we need that. It's very tough to go through. I can't even imagine yeah. being what yeah. you've gone through alone. Mm-hmm. You know? It is really hard. And like y- misery loves company. Right. And when I was first paralyzed, I joined a lot of those Facebook groups of um, like transverse myelitis is my diagnosis. Right. I joined some of those groups. I joined some spinal cord injury groups and it was so toxic. 
It was basically a competition between who has more pain, who's on more meds, who has more infections. And it was like really draining for me and my mom. Yeah, yeah, my mom's like, okay, you got to get out of these groups. So she joined the groups because she's like, if there's anything you need to know, I'll tell you. But it was so like detrimental to my mental health. But it just showed me like misery loves company. Yeah. You know, and we got to stop complaining about things unless you're going to do something about it. Exactly. You know, it'd be nice to hear like what for you being has, I I mean, outside of you being an incredible public figure, but like <laughs> what has transpired in this process that you maybe didn't think like mm-hmm. or have um, a grasp on uh, before this change that's happened in your life? Oh, bro. My whole life. Yeah. Before I was paralyzed and before I started going to therapy, I never knew how to communicate. I could not talk. I would Mm. not be able to sit here and talk with you guys without completely bawling. I didn't know how to communicate my truth. I didn't know how to talk about my feelings because I was never shown that as a kid. In my family, we never talked about it, right? There was a lot of... um, a lot of toxicity, I'll be honest, right? And that's in a lot of Indian families when you don't know how to talk about the hard things. And um, I would just internalize everything and bottle it up and then explode. And, you know, then started numbing myself instead of actually dealing with my trauma. And that also is not a healthy way to deal with things. So honestly, I've changed like 180 degrees from walking bean to sitting bean. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. And I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, man. Right. Especially like in, in our in our South Asian cultures, I think it's the, the, there's there's so much riding on um you could say the first generation Canadians mm-hmm. who've been immigrated from families that came out here and we mm-hmm. saw how hard our parents worked and mm-hmm. this and that, but it's like there's so much of what we want that our parents did and so much of what we don't want. You know, it's like this crazy, like, like yin and yang of mm-hmm. like, I see how hard you worked, but I want balance. And then there's like, oh, like I want to work harder, but then it's also like, what am I willing to lose out of that? You know, like yeah. that, that's how it is for me anyway. But, but, but also, you know, what, what Bean touched on is like, you're, you're not, especially in a brown household, you're not really taught to share your feelings. Mm-hmm. You're taught to, to keep this, continue in whatever trauma it's it shouldn't be hard for you you grew up here yeah we went through all the hardship right the guilt trips you know the guilt trips are just like you know like like for example for me i don't sit and tell my parents how i feel when when i have a bad day that's not how I grew up, mm-hmm. you know. My dad's always been like, you know, uh, the the head of the house, you know. Never really shared his feelings. Very stoic, right? And that's kind of how we grew up. We don't share what we do with our romantic partners mm-hmm. and like what happened with so and so friend or this and that. You don't tell your parents, right? And then you kind of grow up in this household where sharing feelings is is wrong, and it's not almost kind of like taboo in a sense like you don't yeah. bring you don't bring certain things up to your parents because it's not it's not right and then you like like being said you bottle it in and then one day it explodes out the other end yep. somewhere yeah. someone's getting it whether That's it's right. the parents or or friends fam, whoever it is yeah. Yeah. So, yeah as long as it does get like pr- projected not projected rather but like <laughs> projected <laughs> on <to> somebody <laughs> the verbal punching bag yeah. but as long as it gets shared to someone you know and trust right like at the end of the day i feel like you know to your point right your parents don't absolutely need to know like every little detail and struggle mm-hmm. but like yeah. you would just only hope that 
you know, they, they, they would know how to, how to be able to like guide you or at least but give a you lot don't. Voice. Yeah, they don't. A lot of people don't, right? And like, even, you know, you just said if you have someone to trust to confide into, but does that person have the tools that you need to get through what you're going through? Or are they just going to listen and give you bad advice that they know? Yeah, it's true. You have to know who you're talking to. Yeah. yeah. That's why you call your therapist and say, I need to see you tomorrow. <laughs> yes. Right? Yeah, like exactly. Therapy, exactly. baby. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I have a running note in my phone. Talk to Sharon about. Right. And mm. then I have different dates because like, you know, I see her now kind of once a month, once a quarter ish kind of as needed. And so I'll just write things down like as they come up. And then when I go see her, I'm like, OK, here's my list of things we need to talk about. And some of them might have been resolved already. Right. But then it's just like you have a list of like you can go through me like this happened, this happened. How do I deal with these kind of people? What yes. do I do? How do I say like, you know, yeah, how do I deal with this stuff? I want us to talk about how we can better um, approach someone with a disability. Yeah, sure. You know, I find that, you know, you were saying earlier, mm -hmm. being how many people get awkward to this day. <laughs> many people don't know how to, like, treat you. And maybe they're getting too much in their head, right? They're oh, like, oh, yeah. what's the right thing to do? What's the wrong thing to do? Yeah. They feel sorry. And then you're like, this is awkward. Bye. Like, like yes. how can you um, help our audience and if even there's one person that just shows up better, that would like make me so happy. Mm -hmm. you know, going into 2023, like what is the the right things to do and not the right things to do to 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 approach someone with a yeah, disability? Yeah, totally. I mean, I call it disability etiquette, yes. right? Of how do you talk to somebody? How do you approach somebody? And I get this question a lot. Like, how do I talk to somebody with a disability? And my response is always, how do you talk to somebody without a disability? Because mm. it's the exact same, right? Big hey, time. what's your name? Where are you from? What sports do you play? What sports do you watch? How many kids do you have? What do you do for work? Where'd you go to school? What's your favorite food? Like, you know, like just questions that we would ask neurotypical able-bodied people. You can also ask people with disabilities because a lot of us are highly educated. A lot, a lot of us are successful, right? A lot of us have interests and hobbies and things. And are there people who don't? Yes, of course, right? Because you know, it's a wide spectrum of people, mm -hmm. but generally people just want to talk. And when I asked my wheelie peeps, I said, what is it that you guys want? Like, what do we want from the able-bodied community? Cause I have a voice and I'm going to use it. Right. So tell me what, what message you want me to share. And so many people said, I want to be seen and heard. That's it. Wow. Right. So like, you know, a lot of people ignore people with disabilities because they don't want to say something offensive or they don't know how to act. So I'm just going to pretend like you're not there at all. Right. And that just makes us feel very ignored, invisible yeah. and like like you're nothing. Right. So what I say to people is if you want to be an ally to people with disabilities, make eye contact with them. When you see somebody with a disability, make eye contact, hold it for a couple of seconds, crack a smile. Even with a mask on, you can tell when someone's smiling at you, right? That's it. You don't have to talk to them. You don't have to become their best friend. You don't have to help them with everything. And that's a big other uh, big misconception is we don't need help with everything, yeah. right? But like just crack a smile. That's it. And if you do want to talk to them, there is a way to talk to people, right? Something not to say is do not ever go to somebody and say, what's wrong with you? Because there's nothing wrong with me. Mm -hmm. yeah. Worse off is you can see a parent with a child with a disability and say, what's wrong with your kid? Don't say that. <laughs> They'll kill you. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> right? Exactly. They will. Exactly. But what you can say is, hey, I see you. You're using a wheelchair. Would you mind sharing your story with me? Or, hey, like I see, you know, 
you're using a mobility aid or uh, I see that your child has a disability. I'm really interested in learning about more people. Like, would you mind sharing with me? I really love how that's appropriate, you know, and that's like, yeah, uh, especially for you to share that because uh, people are curious, right? And, and, and people want to know and they care. And mm -hmm. then like back to your point is someone feels like they can now share their story exactly. in like a, in a positive light. Yeah. Not the whole what's wrong with you is worded terribly. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just going back to uh, the TV series mm -hmm. push, mm -hmm. I want to know, being like, what was maybe perhaps one moment that happened that is just going to be unforgettable? I know in the beginning you shared with us like that uncomfortable moment mm -hmm. that turned into something that, you know, you're really glad happened, which was going back to Vegas. And, yep. you know, now in this case, if you look back overall, what were just some highlights or one that really stood out to you that like, you know, I, I like to call them like those Kodak moments in life where yeah. like you just want to take a second to like just r remember this moment. Yeah. And uh, I wonder what that was for you. With filming the show? Yeah. Um, Like while we were filming, I don't, I don't know. There's lots of things I truly enjoyed about about it right like having everything planned for having everything paid for it was really nice yeah <laughs> just having to show up and have fun with my friends cool awesome. yeah we'll do it um i think for me it was like the launch party of the show in toronto when i went a few weeks ago i think that was like the biggest like whoa kind of moment of like having celebrities fangirling over me while i'm fangirling over them and it's just like bizarre yeah i think it would be that but i think for like audience members i think one of the biggest one of the most interesting episodes i think is going to be of my friend Brittany and her husband joe where they showcase sex positions no way yeah. <laughs> this is so yeah. good that it's being shown yeah right i don't mean that in a creepy way i just mean that in like a <laughs> this is one of those things where once again it's like so taboo people won't talk about it but let's let's see yeah. you know two of them i'm sure they're on wheelchairs uh, Brittany is. Brittany's on a wheelchair Joe's and one isn't. Yep. Okay, mm -hmm. there yep. you go. And they're fully clothed, right? Like Brittany has a YouTube channel, so she made this video for her YouTube channel, but obviously the show was like, let's let's show that too because we mm -hmm. want to. And like, you know, a lot of people think that people with disabilities are asexual, that you don't need pleasure and intimacy or sex. And it's just like, that's not true. We are human beings. Yeah. Everybody deserves pleasure and intimacy. Totally. And most of us have sex. Yeah. Right? It is just, a, it's a taboo subject, right? But everyone does it. And so we need to break those barriers down. And um, we, that's what we said to, to the producers in the beginning was, I want to show everything, right? Good. Like part of having a spinal cord injury means that you're going to lose bowel and bladder control too, right? And so you're going to poop yourself and you're going to pee your pants. That's part of your life. Mm. And so we want to show that we want to talk about it because everybody does it. And we shouldn't have to be embarrassed about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So if we talk about it, then we normalize it. And so that's what we want. We want all of these things that people think are taboo or like, don't, don't talk about that. Right. We want to talk about it. Good. Yeah. You know what? That's, I'm so glad that's being done because it's like, let's push the lines out. Let's push the barriers because that's such a good point you made. If people aren't talking about it, then it's worth talking about. Yep. You know? And uh, yep. it'll make a, everyone feel a lot more uh, aware of how to approach that situation. Yeah, and we right. dispel myths, right? By us as people with disabilities showing the world how we do things, that we can do these things, right? We're breaking down those myths that people have in their head about people with disabilities, right? What is it that you feel like more able-bodied people can do 
who are listening to this, mm-hmm. how can we show support right now? Outside of the advice you gave earlier mm-hmm. on, but what are some things we can do um, to, to, to make those who are disabled just feel uh, more, um, just integrating them more into our society? Like one thing mm-hmm. that I know mm-hmm. is like wheelchair access, mm-hmm. you know, like build the ramps, do certain things. Like before you came on Bean, we gave actually a huge shout out to um, a senator that actually is on a wheelchair and mm-hmm. he's built out uh, facilities in a whole city. This is in Syria. Oh, really? To make sure that it's all wheelchair accessible. Good. Sri Lankan, and right? Sri Lankan, yeah. Oh, there wow. you go. Thank you. Good. And man, see, what would I do without this man's beautiful memory? I'm telling you, <laughs> the references, I'm working on it. We, we have to be careful, right? <laughs> yeah, I know. You know, Syria, Syria, Sri Lanka, they're You're a little right. different, right? <laughs> it's a little different. <laughs> a little yeah. different, yeah. <laughs> right. Thank you, brother. Thank you. But I mean, like, what, what can we do and what can our audience do? For sure. There's lots of things. Um, simple things. Do not use accessible bathroom stalls. Mm. Use the regular stalls. If you fit in a regular stall, use the regular stall. So many times I have ended up peeing my pants sitting outside of a regular bathroom stall because there's an able-bodied person in there. When there's 15 to 20 regular stalls open that I can't fit into, right? So simple. Don't use accessible bathroom stalls and don't use accessible parking stalls. I don't care if it's for 30 seconds. I don't care if you're an Uber driver or a Uber Eats driver. I don't care. Don't park there. And today, this morning, I reported two people for parking in accessible parking stalls. And now they're going to get $500 tickets for Christmas, which makes me really happy. No fair. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's very Easy things. Yep. Easy things. Shovel your sidewalks, right? As a wheelchair user, it's really hard to navigate snow. Um, and even think about like if you've had to push a shopping cart in a parking lot that's full of snow. That's about 10% of the effort that it takes us to wheel through snow. Right. So if my neighbors don't shovel their sidewalks, I'm stuck in my house. I can't if I'm a bus user, if I use transit, how am I supposed to get to the bus stop if I can't even get out of my house? Mm. Right. Simple things that everybody can do. Curb cuts. Recognize where curb cuts are and clear the curb cuts. Right. They're there for us to be able to get down up and down off of sidewalks safely. Otherwise, it's a six inch curb and trying to jump that in a power chair. No way. Manual chair, at least you could, I can ask somebody to help me, like how you helped me up here today, right? Mm -hmm. But in a power chair, there's no way. Wow. So little things. And then if you see somebody, I mean, a lot of people want to help, right? And um, like, I don't mind. If somebody asks me if they can help me, usually I'm going to say no. If if you can, I'll say yes, because frankly, I've been doing this for 10 years and I'm over it. So if you want to lift my wheelchair up one more time, sure, go ahead. You know what I mean? But... uh, yeah, just ask people if they want help. If they say no, cool, let them be, right? Asking, yeah, not just doing, just like, would you like help? Yeah, do you need help with that? Can I help yeah. you, you know? Or, you know, when people say, can I give you a hand? And I'll often be like, no, but I'll take a spinal cord. <laughs> <laughs> you must, their jaw must was drop. So like, yeah. so <laughs> it can feel even or more like, awkward. No, but you got two working legs I can have? <laughs> So people yes. don't know what to say <laughs> i love how you're such a savage sometimes like it's like oh let's just see let's just see how they react it's fun, <laughs> it's fun. because it also breaks down that barrier a little bit yeah. like hey you can laugh i have a disability but we can still joke exactly <laughs> you know yeah. i'm not this pitiful person who's made of tissue paper yeah yeah oh, exactly so true exactly. where people feel like they're walking on eggshells right yeah yeah none of that 
I uh, I'm curious to know, Bean, if you uh, if you've been keeping up with the news on Neuralink mm-hmm. and what your thoughts are. I, I don't know if you know this, Kenny, but Neuralink. That's is, a full is, switch, man. It's I a don't full know. switch. Okay, great. Then you know we can me we me and Bean can touch on it. But yeah. I'm just curious if you've done. If you've looked into it, thinking yeah. about what Elon Musk is up to, mm-hmm. um, what are your thoughts on, on Neuralink? I think it's really exciting. Yeah. Obviously, by putting a microchip in your brain, there's a lot of um, things that could go wrong with that. Yeah. Right? But as far as like being paralyzed, uh, like I feel like, the, like Neuralink, along with epidural stimulators, stem cells, and activity-based therapies, it's on its way to being the cure. On its way. Mm, We're yeah. not far. I don't mm. think we're far from having a cure to paralysis. Wow. It'll happen in our lifetime. That's how fast technology is changing. And it's promising. Yeah. It's really promising. Yeah. So it, I'm excited. I don't want to be the first person. Yeah. We'll let other people test it out. <laughs> yeah, first. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Kinks out yeah. And sign me up, buddy. Yeah, no, I watched I watched the uh, you know, the presentation that they had, the mm-hmm. Neuralink presentation. I think it was last week or the week before. And they just kind of go through the process and, and kind of showcase what they've done with animals. And how they, you know, how they use the microchip and how they install it in, in, in their brains. They've already tested it on animals. Yeah, yeah like pigs and stuff. They've and applied wait. for FDA approval for human testing. Yeah, so now they're at that point where yeah. they're gonna test on humans, which yeah. is like, it's crazy. Like just, just what that. Obviously, the doors that open for mm-hmm. that and the technology and it, it's insane. Even with blind, like you know, maybe not curing blindness, but they they were showing like how it would look with the with the neural link in somebody's brain on on a monitor mm-hmm. and you could see like how the world would look and it's it's not like I'm um, like completely 100% but what it it's promising it is it's promising. very promising Brilliant. it's very very cool yeah so, it is yeah so i often say like you know i've met a lot of people who were paralyzed this year and as much as it sucks i always tell them like this is the time to get paralyzed this is it. Better than the 80s. Mm. Better than the 90s. Mm. Right? Like, w- this is it. Like, you have, I mean, Ryu is here. We offer activity-based therapy, which is works very, very well for neurorecovery. Right? And then mixed with all of these other technologies and therapies that are available, like, this is the time, man. I love that. Yeah. And you know what? Speaking of that, I'd love to give a moment. And I just want to see, like, because every minute counts right now. But Cassius, do we have to play an ad still? Or are we good for the podcast? No, five we're, we're good. We're good. Nice. we got five minutes. So something that I'm sure, because I'm very curious about it, mm-hmm. because we've been able to follow your journey since, what was it, like two or three years ago we had you on? Mm-hmm. What does your progress look like since then? Since then? Yeah, oh. since like the last time we were with you and, you know, maybe some good, maybe some things you're still dealing with. But sure. like, I'd love to hear because I love your optimism and I know that you've said it then and you, you, you preach it now or like, you know, you are going to run again. You are going to walk again. Hell yeah. And I just want to know what is the, the what did those steps look like since we last had a show together? Cool. Um, yeah. So, um, you know, progress is um, it goes up and down. Right. It ebbs and flows um, for myself in the last few years. What have my wins been? Um being able to walk. So I walk with a two-wheeled walker um, and you know I'm getting heel strike on my right leg consistently, being able to keep my knees in neutral, whereas both my knees like to hyperextend. That's kind of like my safety spot with my spasticity. Mm. Um, but now I'm able to bring, uh, bring and hold my right knee in neutral and also my left knee is coming in as well, like being able to hold it in neutral and put weight on it and being able to step 
quote unquote normally. That's amazing. <laughs> right? That's cool. Um, what else? Like these things happen and like you put me on the spot here too, so I can't really remember. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> fair. But like oh, over the last few years, actually, this is something that's kind of funny, but a lot of people whatever, take it for granted is after going pee, standing up to pull your pants up. Yeah. Mm. I wow. started doing that a few years ago. Wow. And the first time I did it, I was like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's you awesome. Know? And we yeah. have an achievement board at Ryu and we wrote that on the board. Bean pulled her pants up. I love yeah, that. That's, that's sweet. a PR. That's yeah, a yeah. personal <laughs> record. Yeah. yeah. And it's just something that people just don't think about, right? Yeah. But, you know, for some homework, try changing your pants sitting down. Mm. Try. Wow. Yeah. Because that's what we have to do. Yep. And you have to learn how to figure out how to do it. Mm. Yeah. Right? Not, yeah, when you put it that way, not easy. No, not no. easy at no. all. So that was, it's a big win to be able to stand yeah. up, especially high-waisted leggings. Yeah, especially <laughs> when you're trying to add some fashion to it too, yeah. right? Compression ones too that are really tight. You're like, oh, I love I that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, that's amazing. And, you know, as we wrap up here, Bean, I just, you know, I, I can't say this enough. You are just such a positive, bright spirit. Yes, you know, I, I hope people really resonated and felt that listening. But, you know, when you come into a room like, we, we really feel your optimism and we feel like, you know, who better than you than to be a representation of, you know, your your documentary push yeah, and to be on the lead of that. And, you know, I want everyone to mark their calendars. What is it? February 24th. February 24th. Right. That's when the first episode's out on CBC. On CBC and, and CBC Gem. Yeah. And other than us tuning into that and our audience, how can people continue to support you and follow your journey? Where, where can we continue to be in touch with you? Cool. Yeah. Um, I'm on all social media and my handle is at Branzoid, B-R-A-N-Z-O-I-D. Um, my website is reu.ca, R-E-Y-U.ca. And I think that would be the best way to get hold of me. That's perfect. Well, any last words, Cassius? No, this was a fantastic episode. It was fun. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun chatting with you, Bean. Awesome. Yes, yeah. definitely. Well, thank you so much, Bean. We hope you have a lovely rest of your weekend. Thank and you. that's a full switch. That's a wrap. See everyone next week. See you next week.